0: Welcome to the Brand Evolution Show, brought to you by Westward Marketing. I'm your host, Tom Sullivan. Today, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, brand and marketing terminology. Uh, it, it's gotten very confusing out there. Uh, and and I'm sure by the time I wrap this episode and, and put it up online, there will be uh, at least two or three new brand terms, marketing terms, digital terms uh, out there that will replace um you know, the, the current bleeding edge uh, digital marketing terminology. Uh, it just seems like uh, focus shifts all over the place as we, um, you know, as we, we come up with new uh, ways of thinking about or expressing uh, what we're trying to achieve in marketing. And I've heard, uh, I'd say over the last few years, maybe five years from clients who are, are very confused or they, uh, they read a, a blog post and they get really excited and they come back and say I, I want to do this or we we need to incorporate this in our strategy and i said well we already do that and, well, what do you mean and so um i think it's important to like maybe unwrap some of this um because some of it is just very like hip terminology that becomes kind of the flavor of the day uh, my analogy for people would be like if um like if right now I walked around and I finished sentences with hashtag and then said something after that, like hashtag YOLO, right? Like all the people who are using hashtag YOLO would look at me and cringe Um, because, you know, those things that are are cool today are gone tomorrow. And many of them, unlike like cat eye glasses and other cool things from the fifties are maybe never to return. So um, we're kind of suffering that same uh, hipster dilemma here with digital marketing. so when we talk about, you know, marketing your brand, I tend to, you know, stay away from flavor of the day terms. I tend to just say brand marketing. We're marketing a brand. We're building a brand. We're doing what we need to do to incorporate um, our brand consistently throughout all phases of our uh, digital marketing. And um, in your case, if you do a lot of offline print and calendar and um, Trade shows and things like that. Then you're also, you know, bringing that same brand emotion uh, through the print elements. And, um, but what I what I hear from a lot of people is, you know, they they ask me about um, other terminology like um, like demand generation or content marketing um, or growth marketing, uh, and I think that. Uh, I think the easiest place to start is just to kind of unwrap what, what each of these mean or meant and explain how they are, uh, many times, uh, covered by the next iteration, uh, with a little bit of extra seasoning put in and then it it builds from there. So, um, so when, when I started, uh, you know, a number of years ago, paying attention to, uh, content, people were saying content is king, you know, queen, uh, Whatever ruling class, um, and and then content marketing became a big part of what people were talking about. And then within content marketing, they had subcategories for <clears throat> for media types you were generating, and and they weren't you know uh, digital media and things of that nature. They were um, you know the types of ownership that uh, like who owned the media. So you had. Owned media, which was like your website and blog posts and things that you generated, right? It could or it could be um, uh, video of interviews and things of that nature, uh, commercials. Those are all. That's all content that you generated that you owned. Um, then there was earned, which would be um, like if you uh, had a blog or a vlog and somebody, um, you know, quoted it, uh, took a graph out of it and gave you credit and a link back. Um, you put out a press release and bloggers picked up on the press release and wrote about it and linked back to your site. And that's all earned, uh, media. And then, uh, the third type was paid. Um, so if you were, uh, if you're running on an ad platform, such as Google ads or Bing slash MS ads or, um, uh, Amazon or LinkedIn or any of these other platforms, and you were basically buying ad space or buying ad impressions, uh, programmatically, then, uh, you were, uh, you were using content marketing, but you were using paid media type. Um, <clears throat> and so content marketing, the flavoring they got sprinkled on top of that, uh, was, you know, it wasn't just about volume and it, it was, that didn't really have a lot of direction to it. Uh, it had, you know, people started talking more about brand marketing again after that. And then, um, content marketing although we still use the term content um the term content marketing somewhat got retired and put on the shelf um and now you hear people talking about uh or you i should say uh, you heard people talking about performance marketing right because it wasn't enough to generate content it had to be content that you know performed um, and what they mean by that is uh you had to have uh statistics that tracked uh and, and showed that you know when you got impressions um, that the audience had value, right? And and the proof it had value was that they they clicked at a high percentage rate. Your click through rate, um, people who clicked out of those who saw it, meaning clicks divided by impressions, uh, was a high rate. And um, you know that that showed an engaged audience, and you were targeting people who are interested in in what you do, product, service, uh, your brand, and. <clears throat> that gave way to um, a better metric, which was uh, conversions, um, because it didn't really so much matter um, if you had a lot of people coming to your website. Uh, it mattered if they were um, taking action, identifying themselves as a lead, uh, purchasing, or um, being in a loop with you where they got qualified through several connection points or you know, disqualified out of your funnel, so to speak. So we, with the funnel analogy, you started seeing um, more emphasis put on conversions. And then there was a shift from, from conversions uh, in general um, to uh, conversion optimization, which was an interesting, uh, and there's still a lot of that conversation out there, conversion optimization. And I always say, well, what are you, opti- what are you optimizing for? And the answer is typically, um, uh, I want to have the lowest cost per conversion at the highest rate. <clears throat> and And I always say, well, you would want a hundred percent click through rate, but how realistic is that? And they say, Well, it's not very realistic. We, you know, our target's three to five percent and we've been as high as seven and a half. Well, that's great, but what do you want for conversions? Well, um, you know, we, we convert at uh, you know, three percent and we'd like to be at four, five, but you know, we're at three. They say, Well, so what what drives the the quality? What you know, if 3%, you're at 97% of people who come to your website don't take action. They don't identify themselves. They don't sign up for a newsletter. They don't, um, you know, use your contact form. They don't chat. Um, they don't call you. They don't, they, they go two pages deep and, and leave. Um, so, you know, what, what are, what are you using to optimize it? Well, cost and, and how, what the percentage rate is and, and, uh, so they they do things like uh, send more emails because emails convert at a higher rate. So more of the traffic is coming from email, and that games the percentage a bit. And um, I always felt like that was that was really uh, you know you're playing a game, and at some point you run out of an audience of people. Uh, but again, if you think about it, everything I've described with um, all of these, this is all performance marketing and none of it has to do with branding. None of it has to do with emotional connection. So um, so when you ask someone, well, how would you like it if people came and they sought you out and you didn't have to spend as much money to do that, meaning they, they searched for you um, or they just came to your site, um, you didn't have to spend as much money on paid search you didn't have to worry about keyword rankings as much. You were reaching people with more impactful ads and an emotional level at the top of the funnel, if that's your analogy. And those people were converting at a high rate. How, how would that be? And I've never had one person say, um, that that doesn't sound like something we'd want. I've had a few like say that I was selling them a fantasy, like you know converting it hundred percent or something but but I explained to them that the people who uh, well what I do is I, I typically would ask them, and a lot of times they don't know, but I'll ask them, you know, if you think back about your your customers who you know, who you can identify who been with you for a long time, why are they with you? And you know oh well, you know we have a good relationship, yeah. What's that based on? Is it because they got the best price from you always? Is it because you um, offered them favorable terms? They got 90 days where everyone else would only give them 30. Is it because you drill down on all these things that have to do with like neocortex reasoning and they say, no, I don't know. No, we have a good relationship. You say, so you have a good emotional connection with these people. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a positive connection, right? It's a, maybe it's not a friendship, but it's um, they trust you and uh, you reward that trust with um, taking care of them in a business sense. And they say, yeah, yeah. How would you like more of those people? Oh, I'd love more of those people. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think you get those people? And they, they don't know. They, they honestly don't know. And It's really simple. It really is simple. You talk to the people you have a good relationship with, the customers who've been with you. You find out why they are with you. Don't be afraid. They're not going to leave because you ask. You tell them that you want to make sure that they stay with you and they're happy, and you want to make sure you understand what makes them happy and why they're with you. And then you Use that information to go out and find more people like them. You find a similar audience. It's really that simple. So, um, coming back to the terminology, you know, it's kind of evolved along with you know people in effect not being successful with these different strategies, and then adding a layer on top and hoping it'll work. But in reality, it's it's really just about building brand. But let's keep going, just for fun. Um, so we got to the point where we were talking about <clears throat> we talked about brand marketing and then demand generation. Some of these other similar content marketing became performance marketing. Performance marketing had different emphasis, starting with uh, value of traffic and then moving towards conversions and conversion optimization. Um, and that's kind of where we left off. And then about five years ago, <clears throat> people realized that uh, even with conversion optimization uh, and it, you know generating a certain amount of transactions uh, efficiently, they were still going to be lacking um, growth because <laughs> there's a certain amount of, of uh, customer retention you have uh, once you sell and the period of time that people stay and the amount of recurring revenue. Um, looking at that model um, from a business standpoint, uh, what they were doing in terms of generating con- customers with their performance marketing wasn't sustainable. It was either too expensive because they really weren't focused on brand, and they were just playing the uh, you know prove we're better than other people game, which is an eroding foundation. Or um, you know they they just they had whether it was to competition they had strong competition or um, other their competition was you know building brand while they weren't, and <clears throat> over time that you know that was eating and eroding their revenues. They realized that there was a certain amount of additional growth they had to have just to break even, you know, based on, on revenue attrition. So, and it's a little bit different for everyone, but, um, so they, they left the terminology of performance marketing and it became growth marketing. So growth marketing had to do with year over year growth and, and what you would do strategically to, to, uh, achieve that growth. Um, and I, and I think, you know, for me, I kind of live on the other side of the equation. Uh, I don't say that marketing shouldn't have some kind of a revenue number, but I think when you started tying revenue numbers to marketing, you're basically taking marketing and made it sales. Uh, you, you're no longer uh, concerned about uh, emotional connection and long long uh, long-term value, brand value, and lifetime value. You're really more concerned about. Um, you know, this month, this quarter, this year. And uh, it's, it's not a recipe for long-term success. So um, I tend to be on the side where when I see a revenue number uh, put on uh, marketing, I, I then drill down to find out whether or not that's really more of a sales program number. And then uh, another dynamic that a lot of people will talk about um, is in software companies or SaaS companies, software as a service, uh, they have internal sales teams and they are uh, marketing generates uh, a lead, right? So one of the conversion types might be um, somebody fill, fills out a form to unlock a white paper on the website and they download the white paper. And then <clears throat> that marketing lead might have a number of questions. How many people are in your company? Do you have a, a budget for software? Are you interested in this platform? And if, they've checked the right boxes and that they consider that a marketing qualified lead. Um, And then they pass it over and then they usually have uh, a group of people who are, you know, on the sales team and they qualify that lead. And if that lead qualifies, they pass it over to somebody who's maybe an account rep. um, And then they try to find out if it's going to be an opportunity or not. And, you know, so it's almost like um, when you're mining for gold and you, you know, pour rocks in and all the big rocks fall out first. And then, you know, the smaller stuff at the very end, you end up with gold dust. And that's the mentality. But what happens is um, you're pouring a lot of really low quality content at the top of that funnel. And that leads to a lot of contention between marketing and sales because sales um, is there at the end of the sieve and they realize that, you know, they're not getting very high conversion rates, and the executive team realizes that they're spending, you know, it's not, you know, $30 a lead to get a $100,000 sale. It's all the salary time. It's all the qualification. It's, you know, how much money is being spent in total to get, you know, 1% to convert, right? So the cost of the 99% that didn't is spread out over that 1%. And a lot of times, um, from an operational standpoint, they're underwater. From you know, in terms of, of the cost of generating that lead uh, versus the the actual profit of the sale or the annual, annual recurring revenue. So uh, it's it's a difficult it's a very difficult um, reality to uh, to to walk into because a lot of uh, organizations now are structured such that uh, the marketing team. Uh, is is seen as uh, basically people who shovel ore into the top of the sieve, and in um, the reality is that uh, the marketing team has a much bigger role to play, and it in many cases is not attached to numbers. And so the way that I like to say it is that um, if you're building brand and you're uh, sending people into a a process. Um, you want to do it in such a way that they want to be there. They want to volunteer for that process, meaning you entice them. They want to learn more. And if they're in the market or if they hadn't really considered it, but now they are considering it, um, you you basically want to allow that process to happen. You know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of companies, they look at prospects and they think um, this, uh, this group of people um, who we want to attract, you know, we want, this and we want that, and uh, they don't take it from the perspective of the prospect. You know, why are people um, having this resonance with your brand? Why are they attracted to your brand? And they don't ask those questions. Instead, they they you know gate a white paper, or they they gate um, a sign up form, or you know it's it's a gated entry, and so people are forced to make a decision. Do I Do I have enough of a connection? Do I have enough curiosity? Do I have enough um, motivation to to give up my personal information and then be marketed to? And and so a a lot of times what gets handed over to um, somebody on the marketing team or sales team to qualify as a lead is uh, the name, contact information of a person who just wanted to download a white paper, who just wanted to show up to a webinar, Um, who wanted to learn something, who was interested. Um, But instead of handing them some value and then on the back end, um, you know, asking, giving them an offer, if you're interested, um, contact us. If you'd like to learn more, here are some other resources. Um, Instead of like nurturing that relationship, it's transactional from the start and it turns people off and it turns them away. So um, it's really important. It's really important, again, this is all part of the path of developing a relationship and it's no different than uh, a friendship you would develop with someone. Um, you know if you're you're walking down a path with them then they're like, oh you know what I can give you a ride but uh, only if you give me two dollars for gas um, or you know like well, well let's go let's go split lunch but you know what um, I can only have lunch with you if you like dress nicely. It's off-putting. Right. And I'm not maybe two dollars for gas is a bad example, because with gas being like, you know, seventy dollars a gallon now. um, But you don't want to have something where people feel like you're holding them an arm's length or that you're baiting them into a trap. Right. And that's that's what people have come to expect and what people have come to feel about these self-serving corporate gated marketing pieces. They don't have the effect when they land that they have in the in the minds of the people in the boardroom planning this stuff or demanding that marketing do it this way. So um, I expect there will be hopefully another shift uh, back away from um, growth marketing, even though I use that term on my website, just so people can clearly understand, you know, what are those, those tools? But the way that I do it is very different in that I incorporate um, that psychology of the brand into everything. Um, and and I would hope that every every other agency doing this would do the same. Some do um, and some don't because they walk into a company and instead of thanking them for their time and and walking away, uh, which I've done on many occasions, um, they end up like trying to deliver what the company wants. And within six months, nine months, a year, they're let go from that relationship because they didn't produce the results as the company expected. And in reality, <clears throat> no one would. That The company set up in a system to fail and uh, or to not succeed at the level they hope to succeed. And, and please understand, I'm not saying that uh, sales teams are not good at what they do or that these processes can't work. They absolutely can work, but marketing needs to be allowed to be a branding organization and they need to be able to build that brand uh, successful companies have the exact same sales organization I was talking about, but they don't lack, um, you know, brand relationships with their customers. Uh, so you know you need to have both. You need to have both, and they need to work hand in hand. Um, and I, I'm yet to hear what that what that marketing uh, term is that blends brand along with performance, but um, or growth, uh, but. But hopefully, uh, you'll keep that in mind. That you need kind of you need both sides of it, right? And and you need operations and accounting and all these other factors as well. Um, but that's it for the show. Um, I want to close out real quick. I got a couple of questions that came in since the previous show. Um, first one was, "What should I track as a conversion?" Um, that is a difficult question. Um, conversions. Uh, I typically track uh, leads and. Uh, sales or transactions as conversions. But I also know people have um, tracked, um, I, I don't usually do this, but I know people have tracked uh, uh, like page hits, specific page hits, uh, time on page. Um, uh, from a, a and, and uh, website uh, pre- uh, design standpoint, people have uh, actually tracked uh, time on a page and depth in combination, um, triggered by a Google Tag Manager. Um, so I've seen a lot of those types of things, but I liked, I'd rather use those as events than as conversions um, in analytics. And that way you can uh, pair uh, you know, whatever you need as an event and at some point turn that off and it doesn't subtract or add artificially to your conversions when you're looking at like year over year, time period over time period. So that would be my, my suggestion, <clears throat> would be leads and transactions. Um, and a lead, again, is someone where someone identifies themselves, not where somebody, like, visits a page, in my opinion. I think a lead is if somebody wants you to contact them or they give you permission to contact them, you know, that has a different value than if somebody, you know, came to a page. So, anyway, so anything where someone identifies themselves and gives you permission to market to them uh, and or they purchase. Um, <clears throat> revenue doesn't match up across platforms <clears throat> oh, okay, I remember this one. Um, the question was about um, revenue being reported in Google Ads, uh, Analytics, and Facebook being different. And um, the, the, <laughs> the question was, which is correct? Um, I'm, I Honestly, your accounting system is correct. Uh, I would say none of them other than accounting, or they match to accounting. Uh, if you have a if you have a, a website, if you have Shopify, and you can look in the back end, or you have uh, WordPress and you're using something like WooCommerce, you can look on the back end, and <clears throat> that's going to be mostly correct, because um, what happens is uh, they'll push transactions through to say Google Analytics, um, and they record that as a transaction, right? Goes through, but a lot of times they are pushing through um, returns, so. Um, you know your accounting system is going to be correct because it's going to get transactions and basically deductions from from returns. So that's going to be your actual uh, cash flow touchstone. Um, and then your back end system on your website uh, should be closer. And then analytics will be um, maybe overinflated uh, because it won't have it, it won't have all of your like returns deducted. Um, it can, but it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean it will. Um, and then you know, your platforms, um, any platform that tracks uh, transactions and revenue is actually going to, um, it, it, they tend to want to like, take more credit for the transactions that they think they made. So a lot of times your revenue, if you add up all your digital channels, email and paid platforms and stuff, will actually be much higher than analytics or your realistic touch point of your accounting system. So <clears throat> go to your accounting system for a fact, go To analytics for um, general uh, idea about what, what revenue is coming through which channel, um, and then look for discrepancies between the platform and analytics that are inconsistent, um, that are highly inconsistent, because that could just be a tracking problem. But um, I'd use analytics as your kind of like how we plan, you know, where we're going to put our emphasis for, um, uh, for different channels and, and trying to get the, the leads that we want or. Or get our brand message out and get a response. So analytics is really good for for that for planning budgeting um, okay um, what oh I actually covered what is owned versus run media um, what tools are you using for the podcast I mentioned this in the last podcast and <clears throat> I'm actually using well actually I'm filming it so this is a little bit different. I'm using um, anchor uh, the anchor platform. Uh, it's free and uh, you can uh, build an account. You can record on it. You can uh, have them generate and publish your feed and distribute your feed, which will go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and um, uh, Spotify. They're a partner with Spotify. I think they might be owned by Spotify now. Uh, and then uh, you can also take that same feed and just go out to other platforms, which I've done, and and just put it on the other platforms by hand, like submitting it, um, and then giving them a link back to the website page. and. and in some cases, and then also just the anchor page so they can verify the feed. Um, and because I'm filming this, I'm actually using um, I'm actually using um, OBS Studio to film, and that's how I get the graphic and the ticker and stuff down here. Uh, and then I output the uh, the video stream to Adobe Premiere. Uh, edit it slightly. I try not to edit too much uh, because it, to me, it's authentic inauthentic when people are like, you know, like jumping between. It, I, I screw up. I, I do a lot of ums and uhs, and, you know, that's just like a filter I have to build in my head. Um, there's another one. So I drop it into Premiere. I, I edit it. And then uh, when I'm done with that, I write out um, the video. Uh, and then I drop the video and just take the audio track and write it on an MP3. Um, put it up on. Um, uh, back everything up, and then put it up on Anchor, and then that gets distributed. And then I will push it by hand to a couple other podcast platforms. So, primarily Anchor and OBS Studio, and then um, and then editing with Premiere. Um, what else? Oh, um, I'm on. I'm using Google Ads right now uh, as a paid media platform. Uh, what should be my next platform? OK, so the, the answer to that used to be um, Bing ads uh, years ago. And um, Bing ads really dipped in terms of traffic volume. Um, and it, so here, here's what I would have said, don't go to Bing ads. And then they kind of had a resurgence with with they bought some traffic and um, they redid their UI to look more like um, Google ads. I, I'd say they're six months to a year behind feature set at all times. but uh, it's kind of worth uh, exploring. Uh, you're going to get about 10% or less of the traffic you get in Google Ads, so it, it isn't... Uh, but what it does is it allows you to cover um, any um, app that uses uh, the Bing search engine. Uh, and then Microsoft has a new uh, Edge browser that uh, replace Internet Explorer. And the browser is really nice, but it uses Bing search. So as Edge has become adopted by a lot of people, um, a small percentage, but a lot of people, uh, it still covers you uh, from that standpoint. If you're uh, selling B2B, I would look at LinkedIn and I would do that organically versus doing ads, uh, even though the question was about ad platforms. And then if you're uh, really, um, you know, really fired up about spending more money, then I would look at Facebook. Even B2B, you could reach some people who... Um, you identify as an audience on LinkedIn and then come over and, and target them as a lookalike or a, a defined audience if they have them um, on, on Facebook. Uh, if you're B2C, then clearly Facebook and Instagram uh, would be places to go. Um, I'd also, I wouldn't overlook uh, TikTok and Snapchat. I think those are um, good platforms to uh, to look at as well if you're looking to extend your reach. Um again, especially for consumers. And uh, that's it. That's all the questions I have. If you have any other questions, um, I I won't mention you on air. I won't mention your company. Uh, Feel free to uh, drop them on my website, contact form, chat form. uh, Hit me up on social media and uh, I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.